Brene Brown once wrote, An experience of collective pain does not deliver us from grief or sadness. It is a ministry of presence. These moments remind us that we are not alone in our darkness, and that our broken heart is connected to every heart that has known pain since the beginning of time. Now, I'll get to that connection that Brown is talking about in one second, but before I do, I want to say something about grief. The thing about grief is that it's personal. It makes us feel cut in half from the inside out, and of course it does. Grief is a tempest that delivers storm after storm inside of us, and as we weather each one, it feels like it's only happening to us. So, what do you do in this situation? Well, you share it. You share it with those who understand that loss. And in the quote that I read from Brene Brown, she reminds us that as we build community with those who share our pain, the pain doesn't vanish, but it does get outnumbered by every single beating heart that surrounds it and builds its own community of beating hearts that rise in one big continuous percussive drumbeat of consolation. Well, that couldn't be more true in the case of Sherma Chambers, whose 21-year-old son, Tyler Kobe Nichols, was murdered in a random knife attack in Brooklyn two days before Christmas in 2020. Tyler, who was with his brother, had just gotten a haircut when the incident occurred. As author Paul Oster writes, it was a weird and senseless crime, a sudden, unprovoked burst of violence on a tranquil street in a tranquil Brooklyn neighborhood on the eve of Christmas Eve. Now, that incident not only disrupted the tranquility of the holiday season, it permanently capsized the tranquility of a family who no longer had their son. But they had each other. And while the void Tyler left was a gaping absence that could never be filled, his family guarded that space by gathering together. And after they found strength in each other, they reached out to their community and to anyone else who had suffered a similar loss. And the unvarnished realization that emerged was that we can't heal without each other. Tyler's mother, Sherma's chance meeting with photographer Spencer Ostrander, who at the time was working on a book with Paul Oster, formed an instant connection and gave birth to the book Long Live King Kobe, following the murder of Tyler Nichols. A powerful book whose connective narrative tissue is made up of interviews with Tyler's family and friends along with stirring photographic portraits and Spartan prose from Oster himself, Long Live King Kobe is a compelling document of the geometry of loss and the calculus of healing. It's a eulogy, it's a celebration, and it's a testament to the fact that trauma can dissolve and turn into healing. I'll let Sherma and Tyler's cousin Kareem and Spencer tell you about the book and the Long Live King Kobe Foundation, along with the peaceful initiatives that have been enacted through the foundation to help support families who have suffered losses. But let me just say this before we begin. This is a heavy conversation, but it's also a beautiful one. And if you're a person on this planet, you're going to experience loss, and nothing can prepare you for it, even if you think you're prepared. And this conversation is a very important reminder that all we have is each other. And if we stick together, we can get through anything. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. feel like it makes no sense especially the way things are happening like just random crime happening and these victims are just in the wrong place at the wrong time but then sometimes you wonder is it really the wrong place at the wrong time you know now you're just scared to go outside it's it's really a crazy feeling morning in progress yeah 
What do you, how else? How about for you guys, uh, Kareem Spencer? How does that? How does this stuff land with you when when these things happen? Now that you've been involved in this project and it's personal on so many different levels, but how does this stuff land with you? Yeah, there's there's been a since Tyler's passing, there's been a heightened sensitivity to the experience of life for myself and my family. So um, any loss of life or attempt to harm one's life. Um, like Auntie said, brings us right back to that very moment where, um, you know, utter confusion and how and how people, human beings can feel like they have some type of a guiding hand or a guiding um, choice in this matter, you know. Um, no one has given life to anyone, so it, it, it completely is utterly like just, uh, just out of this world, how one feel that they can take one away, especially for no reason. So, yeah, it's it's it, we're kind of, I'm not gonna lie to you, numb um, to a lot of ex what we hear now because of how traumatic this was for us. And I try not to use the word traumatic, but it it clearly was. Um, but yeah, it, it just shows us again how we have no control basically over the occurrences that come even a moment, a minute from now, you know, it's just, we have, and those that feel they can operate with arrogance and, and, and feel like they have control is simply fooling themselves. It's, yeah, it brings us back to, to step one, which was December 23rd. So. I think that um, we really have to think about what we're talking about here. Uh, when when there's random acts of violence on a street on a city street, when someone walks into a movie theater, uh, when someone walks into a subway car, when someone walks into a synagogue or a mosque and starts shooting, um, what is that anger, and and what is it about the American society um, more so than others with 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 you know this amount of gun violence and this type of mass shootings and and random random killings. Why is that more prominent in America? Um, and, and that's something that data shows, but when you look beyond the data and you look at a family like Sherma and Kareem's, you, you see individuals and, and you see that, you know, one of these people that is attacked, one of these people that's shot or stabbed, it has an effect on the entire community. And, um, and there's intergenerational trauma that has occurred. Um, Sherma has a seven-year-old granddaughter and a one-year-old, a nearly one-year-old granddaughter. They're going to grow up in a house that they know about this trauma. So I think it's really important that um, the victims and the, the surviving members and family and friends of victims are, are giving a space to um, a space to live and be appreciated and get support because this is just happening way too much all over the country all the time yeah and and when kareem said it the thing that really that just hit me so hard kareem is when you said it takes you back to step one it takes you back right that must be just every time something happens like this and, and you feel that you're back to step one how do you how do you collect yourself emotionally um and and move forward in a way that feels measurably, I mean, positive feels like the wrong word, but but not negative. How about that? <laughs> um, I wish I wish my uncle Garner was on this call because he he would say, which is my doctrine as well, that we have no choice. Um, we do have a choice, right? But in our understanding of this train of life, we, there's no choice. Um, you can sit in silence and in, in, in silence and and, and and suffer in silence uh, but life goes on <laughs> whether you're involving yourself or not so there is literally no choice but to organize the way that you react to these things um i just today i was talking to shane which is tyler's brother who was with tyler that night um and speaking light into him in terms of you know, he, he told me that he's trying to get back on his feet. And I said, stop with this word trying. You are in your process of getting back on your feet. It is happening, it is occurring right now. Enjoy, it, it, embrace your process and 
awaken that other, that stronger side of you. So to answer your question directly, there's no choice. There's no choice but to continue and continue living. And this is how our foundation has started. This is how everything has started literally because we want to carry on his legacy because we know we have to carry on. So we're gonna carry him with us in everything we do. Um, our family, we, you know, we have a chant now. We, uh, we've had a few birthdays in the house where rather than um, saying, you know, singing that birthday song, we've converted it to happy LLKK. It's literally just, we're embedding Tyler's legacy and Tyler's essence into everything that we do. And for me personally, um, I've never held a dead body before. <laughs> Um, it, it, the, I've never, that, that experience for me was, um, a completely new aspect of life that has been awakened. And, um, after the tears and the breaking down, there's a moment of strength and I choose to embrace that moment of strength and, and maximize it every time it happens. So when the tears come, I take it because I know right after the tears is this peak of strength. So yeah, we have, we have no choice. We have no choice but to organize the way that we strap on our boots and, and, and our family literally, what we've chosen to do was when this happened, we just snapped together. We have a close knit family. Everyone kind of lives and stays in, in, in the same house. But when this occurred, everyone was home. This is right before Christmas that it happened and right after my cousin's birthday, which is Tyler's brother's birthday. Everyone essentially just snapped together. We were just all for months with each other, no matter who had to go to work, no matter who had to do whatever they had to do, we stayed with each other and healed. Counselors did nothing. People, it, there was no other way of healing but to look at each other and validate that this occurred in each other's eyes. After we finished that, we started to heal outward because there's people in this world, as you can see what just happened today, there's people in this world that this will occur to and they don't have the grounding, they don't have the family unit and the structure like we do. And, we, and the mechanism that we were forced to put together, we want to package and, and supply for the world. That's why our motto is we will heal the world is that realistic who knows but to be honest with you with Tyler's sacrifice yeah. he died defending his brother with Tyler's sacrifice and what he's taught us we will literally use the mechanism that we've put together to heal every single person that is involved in some type of traumatic experience like this because the mechanism there's no manual there's no google um search that you can <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's nothing. Only eyes and human beings that have experienced this can allow, help you and enable your healing. If, if, if it's not coming from within. So yeah, everything happening is just organic. We were just, this is just how we chose to heal. We see that it's working and now we will heal everyone else. It reminds me of an essay I read years ago that um, Israel has the highest rate of PTSD, but also the highest rate of healing because everyone kind of lives together in community and families stick together and fam we're not, not isolated how we can be in, in faith. And right. um, it's interesting to hear you say that the healing has to begin at home. Um, the community the community can be served once you serve your family, once your family locks together. Um, was that a natural process that just sort of happened? Um, that's how we are. <laughs> yeah. That's how we are, Alec, that's how we are from ever since. That's why it's so ironic the way Kareem spoke about everything that happened. My home, I had three boys and my home was just a, each of their generation, they end up at this house. They come here, they hang out, they vibe. This is their home. And I provided that space because I rather my boys be home that out there than them being out on the street. And to think of the irony that Tyler was killed 
just coming back from a haircut on the street. That's why I say to everyone, his, his legacy has to go on. It has to go on. That was a sacrifice. That was a very, very big sacrifice. Sherman, did you, him. did you learn about yourself? Did you find um, things out about yourself that you didn't know in, oh in the passing? Yes. Alex, one thing I know from ever since that first, that day when I realized that my boy was taken from me, I was coming home from the hospital, um, back to the house after, you know, Tyler passed. And as I passed the area that it happened, the police cars were there and the caution tape and everything. And that's when it hit me. My child didn't just die. He was murdered. This is a crime scene right down the block from my home. And right there and then, it just started coming to me that he's not going to die in vain. He's not going to die in vain. And I'm going to continue what I've been doing, being the nurturing person that I am. There's so many other mothers who I've met since Tyler passed. I'm, I'm currently with a foundation they call um, Mothers for Safe City. And when I tell you those women have been together for years, there's one mom there, her name is Pam. She lost two of her sons. And she's been there, this is 27 years going. And just hearing them speak and the way they embrace me, because they know, only we know what we go through and we call ourselves the, it's a sucky club. We never chose this club. This club chose us. But I find myself not sweating about the, the, the little things I don't anymore. I'm here to enjoy life, carry on Tyler's legacy. And one of my mission is if I can help one young man who's on the street of Brooklyn to know that picking up a knife, it's not worth it because you didn't only destroy a, a community, a family, friends, brothers, you destroyed yourself because this young man, when I first saw him in the court, he looked so strong and so powerful. And I said, this does not look like an 18 year old boy. But the next time I went to court, by that time he tried to commit suicide and I saw a totally different person. Mm. He lost weight. He just looked like he was not doing good. And I said to my daughter-in-law, I said, he does not look good at all. And I felt for him because I'm saying, look at how you destroyed your life. You destroyed your life. And within another week, the DA called me to tell me that he was attacked in jail. He was stabbed a few times. I'm When I got that call, I started crying because I honestly felt for him because I feel as though at the end of the day, him dying is not gonna bring Ty back. But if he goes through the system, I would like to speak to this young man one day. I really would that, I would really like to speak to him if I can. And if there's a way where, I don't know, I might sound crazy, but I just feel like maybe he can come out and do something different in his life and pay it forward. I don't know, but I just know that. Yes. But that question, yes. Yeah. My life has changed. <laughs> yeah. Spencer, for you, with this story, this project, can you talk about the effect that it's had on you personally? Um, how it sort of landed with you? And I, mean, I know the origin story of it, but how emotionally has it, has it affected you? When I first met Sherma at, at the funeral home, I, I connected with her on, on a very deep level very quickly. And um, I embraced her and um, it was a week later, she called me and asked me if I'd like to come over to her home. And 
I walked into the house where Tyler lived and it was, it was a terrible, terrible circumstance, but I was welcomed by the family with open arms and people would just tell me their stories. And I felt like the only thing I could do is what I know what to do. And that's take photos and, and listen and give interviews. And, um, the second time I come over at a tape recorder and, um, Sherma and Kareem and Shamari and Vera, they've all become like family to me. And, and I've, I go over to barbecues, they come over to my house. It's, it's, um, it's such yeah. a tragedy, but I've, I've found a second family through that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and again, with what, back to what Kareem was saying, it's, it's the only thing that I knew that I could really do to, to get forward, to process it the way I do. And that's, that's what I do in my art and um, in trying to help them tell them sh their story. And Kareem, how about you? How, in terms of your own transformation in, in almost two years since, since the, the, um, the day that it happened, how have you surveyed your own changes as a, as a person? So, um, like I said before, it's, it's heightened. I've always been a sensitive person to life, I'm grateful for every day and things of that sort. But this has heightened that sensitivity exponentially. Um, I, every single second, I truthfully understand now as a present, like a, a actual gift, even though we call it the present. Um, when this happened, the last thing I said to Tyler, I uh, recently started back into martial arts before Tyler's passing, like a few weeks prior. And I, before he went out to, to meet Shane to go get a haircut, I said to him, in the kitchen I said yo you need to come into this martial arts class and he rubbed his hands together and he was like nah because it's all about fundamentals and I was like hmm. <laughs> so and and then this happened so the I didn't go back into martial arts um for a few weeks after this happened but the first um class back we usually go and we meditate um, for the uh, the first five minutes, and usually when you're about to cry, you know your your eyes, the back of your eyes swell up, uh, get tense. Your lips may quiver. Your body gives you some kind of indicators, but I didn't have that indicator when I went in there. And then once I went into meditative position, the tears just like an like an on switch popped on, and I just the tears just started to flow. But like I said before right after the tears started flowing and, and, and finished, the strength that I felt, I cannot describe with words. So the experience from that time on, I've, the new me, I told, I tell people since that day, I've literally been reborn and you may not see it in my structure, but it's a mental thing that's happened. It's a mental phenomena that's occurred. And the new me literally feels every single second of life and also is very protective of my own. So having, being a practitioner of martial arts, I'm, I'm, I haven't been, when this happened, I, I was very paranoid for the first few months. I couldn't go anywhere really and want to be outside at all because I felt like, you know, just going to the laundromat or something, you could lose your life. This was just Tyler getting a haircut for his friend's birthday and for Christmas. So I didn't want to go anywhere. But then after I continued to heighten my practice of martial arts, I've, I've, I've turned into, um, I've turned paranoia into protection. Yeah. Yeah. So I now look at my, I've seen my family as celebrities before, but I now secretly videotape everyone in my family uh, because I wish I had secretly videotaped Tyler much more so I can sit here and watch him. So there's, there's I can go on for days, there's, a, there's an 
an innumerable list of 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 revelations and and group and changes to my mental being, but it's all been a roller coaster, but for for the better. And Shermer, do those those revelations Kramer is talking about? They keep coming, don't they? Yes, yes, they do, and that's why I think we're such a close knit family that we just come together all the time, and then. I would say when Ty passed, we could have just melted and just be done with life and just be over it. But we started our healing sessions. And those healing sessions, I mean, we embrace others who go through the same thing that we're going through. The first one we had was called My Brother's Keeper. And that was like four months after Tyler passed. And it was so inspirational and everyone I think who was there needed that. We needed to come together and just figure out exactly what happened, you know? And since then our healing session has grown. I just recently had one that was called Mother Lost, Our Mother's Lost and it was so powerful. Just us as mothers, who lost kids, it just came together and just had an evening of speaking our truth and saying how we feel and reliving that day and what happened to us that day. So these revelations, they're gonna keep coming. Mm. Yeah, this is a journey. This is a journey. And yes. and one thing I'd like to add is that, um, and I said it before, I think it's it warrants saying again is, um, it's very difficult to help someone heal if you haven't been through something like this. So the function of these healing sessions have organically, have we, we literally the healing session came out uh, from maybe Tyler, <laughs> from this literally just a spirit of thought that said, uh, we need to make sense of this and we all need to congregate together while we do this it started from that to really understanding that I, we have to look into our brother, our sister, our cousins, ourselves and validate that this has occurred. And when you look into the eyes of another human being that has experienced something like this, and when you see the mother, a mother's loss, um, the video, you get a full understanding of how the mothers literally form a circle of healing literally <laughs> there's a video that um one mother her her son i think took his life and his daughter in his girlfriend's life and she didn't speak about it um or vent about it in an effective manner until that night and mm. there was a wall behind uh, in front of her words and the mothers literally auntie sharma being one of them formed a circle around this mother and through energy gave her the power to release the <laughs> and this happened you know and, and, and to to know that something as powerful as this we have created that one little atmosphere and it happened in that healing session but imagine doing that for so many mothers who haven't had the opportunity there aren't family families we have a west indian family that stays close <laughs> we stay close so we literally can look at each other and at arm's distance verify like hey this occurred tyler is not here but there are families that this has occurred and then one member of the family lives in california the other one lives in oregon the other one lives in mississippi how are they healing i would like to know mm. Yeah, because I know that there's a, a Shakespeare quote, which I'm not going to get right, but he says something around the idea that if you don't, if you don't let grief speak, it'll break your heart in half. You have mm -hmm. to, right? You have to speak. You have and, to speak. Right? And, and so, and I, and I do think that there are some families, whether it's cultural or it's whatever, that don't talk and that they just go on like nothing happened. And that seems right. very dangerous. Um, emotionally dangerous thing to do. And so it's interesting to hear you say that, that experience. Sherman, have you found people that eventually they, they let it go and they do start to, to talk? Yes, 
Yes, because a lot of the moms, like they will, as, so we had our first, since I've joined the group, we had our first um, in-person um, meeting because we meet every month. So we had our first in-person meeting. So, you know, besides the mother's um, healing session, I got to meet some of the other mothers in the group. And it was just so powerful just to hear us sit and speak and we can literally finish each other's sentence because you know we speak about things that happen to us like someone seeing you having a bad day and they're like what's wrong someone who you know knows that you lost a child so if you're having a bad day that really shouldn't be a question to ask you know like but they will know that because then they're not going through that experience you know, things like that. But we were able to just be there with each other and speak, you know. And the other day, Ashley and I, Ashley's Tyler's girlfriend, we were sitting, speaking, and that's when we came up with, you know, brother to brother, because she was speaking of someone she met who lost their brother, and he lost his brother around the same time she lost Tyler. So there's that connection and he's speaking to her and telling her what he's going through and how he feels. And she said, mom, we really should have a brother to brother um, healing session. And that's when we started planning a brother to brother healing session. You know, so yes, yes. Spencer, you've, you've witnessed these, these healing sessions. Oh yeah. Uh a mother's loss was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life. Sherma, by one degree of separation, knew, knew eight other mothers who have lost children to violence. And everybody's there and everybody's listening. And uh, the entire place was in tears. And it was, it was so powerful. And Kareem and and Sherma have just created this community where people come out and, and talk and open up one of the other mothers there brought eight other mothers she knew mm. you know yeah. and um it's it's hard to describe the magnitude of um of power in that room when these when everybody's there through these conversations has there been a kind of you know a positive moment of discovery of through these interviews, through these, through talking to people who knew Tyler, of like, oh, I didn't know that about Tyler. Where where did some things show up that you didn't know that were actually like beautiful to find out and gave you a, a broader understanding of of who he was? Yeah, I could speak, to, I could really attest to that. At um Tyler's funeral now, like I told you, the boys have friends who come to the house and hang out, you know. But at Tyler's funeral, one of Tyler's friends got up and he spoke and he said, you know, it's crazy. This guy was so much younger than I am because he's actually a friend of Shane's who he usually comes to the house. He said, he's so much younger than me, but every time I come to the house, I come to the house for advice because when I speak to Ty about certain things, he really gives me good advice. And he's like, yo, he was my therapist. <laughs> You know, now I was like, oh my God. And he got up and spoke to that. And, you know, when I really start thinking about it, that's Ty, that's the type of person he was. If his friends are having a situation at the house, anything, mommy, can they spend the night? You know, they'll be gone tomorrow. Whatever. He always opened the house, just opened the house to anyone. You know, always so giving, always. That's how he is. He'll forgive you for the little anything. He's just done with it and he moves on. Yeah, there was a series of like Auntie brought it up. There was a series of um this will give you some insight. Uh you know, he he passed and we still had all of these COVID restrictions. Um, so the funeral, you know, we 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 knew we had to stay within the limits of of and the confines of of the situation. But the funeral home allowed for the other side to open up just so people can stay distant from each other. Well, what ended up happening is the place fold up like sardines, like a can of sardines. 
it literally was full, full to the brim of people. And the reason I bring this up is because there were so many people that I spoke to that told me aspects of Tyler that I did not know of him. They, their, their experiences that they've, they've had with Tyler that, that you know we were all discussing you know after his passing that I truly did not understand, did not know that part of his characteristic. I know him as my little cousin. My, you know, when I was younger, I was holding him as a baby. He was always telling on me and all of those things. And then as he grows into a, an adult, which, you know, just was widening up as an adult and just opening up, um, I was, you know, just saw him as like my little brother that I had to continue to guide. But little did I know that he was an, an air of wisdom, a mouth of wisdom and a source of wisdom for many, many, many people. And like Andy said, that not, not just that one kid, but all these guys around that age group felt comfort when they were around his presence. He, he, he supplied, a, 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 you know, any time that they would come to the house, knowing that he was there, allowed them to feel comfortable to be at home, outside of their home, you know? So he had a, he had a soul that what, he never left the house. The, the, the boy literally, if it, in a competition with grandma, in terms of who's in the house the most, he never left the house. Yet, all these people will come there to see him and to see Shane and, and to absorb literally that loving. Um, I, I said when this occurred that they, this guy who took Tyler, he took the sharpest, the sharp, I, it was a thought that this happened. I, I said he took the sharpest edge of our family. And what I meant by that was um, Tyler was out of everyone was the one that absorbed every single generation. And, and literally, you know, in his, he was a tall, handsome, charismatic, beautiful smile, dimples on his face. Some uh, living in New York City, which would allow you go and be as crazy as you would want to be. No, he stayed home. He was always humble. And his girlfriend would want to go out. He would tell her to go out and he would stay home. And 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 just, I, from what I understand of it, was he was an intellectual and he was always analyzing rather than having to go out and experience. He was always analyzing the people that would come into his life. And he was a family man. so. It, the 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 revelations that I had of him since this happened are are, are are numerous. Where people, like I said, people would just come tell me about things that he's done. Or, um, there was the one kid that I think took from Shane. He stole something from Shane. This is their longtime friend, and um, Tyler, the guy came back to the house, and Tyler, rather than like ostracizing the guy, telling him, don't come back here. He said, no, come here. Let's go outside. We have to fight. And he, Shane was like, I mean, the guy was kind of like, what do you mean? Like, well, you can come back. You can be around, but we have to fight. We have to settle what happened, and then we're good. And to me, that was so, that was such a manish quality and, and such a grown quality to, to, to execute that I didn't, I didn't know he had it in, in him, you know, right after the, right after the fifth, he was able to shake hands and say, okay, we're good, come back, you know, a lot of people, a lot of adults, well into their 40s, 50s, 60s, do not hold these characteristics and these principles that he held at 20 <laughs> or younger, whenever this happened, so I mean, like people, like every family that lost, that loses someone dear to them, Everyone's gonna have specific, um, uh, you know, beautiful things about the one that they lost. Every human being has beautiful things about them. But um, I feel what our family is doing here is not only shining light on who Tyler was, but we wanna give people the opportunity to shine light on who their loved one was, you know? Um, when we, I could talk about Tyler for days. It's, it's almost, too easy. I can talk about him forever. 
Um, but I know who Tyler was and I know what he's taught me and I know what I've absorbed from his soul. But now it's time to allow people who don't have this mechanism to do it themselves. You know, uh, we feel okay. I, I can say that at this point, of, uh, at least I do. I feel one with the fact that he is not here anymore. And I feel one with, the, with what he has shown me and who I am becoming because of that. So, yeah. Because the trajectory of your life, your, your life's work now has altered, right? Entirely. It, 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 we, it, I always say this to Anthony Sherman, I say, mind your own business. She works at Lowe's, but it, it, even in the company I work for, you know, from the time that I'm there, yeah, I do what I need to do for them. But after that, it is, it is our time to do this purposeful work that is in the legacy and, 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 and the purpose of Tyler's loss, of our loss and Tyler's sacrifice. We are, li we are literally going to impact so many people just so that they can understand what Tyler has done for us. And Spencer, for you, having not known Tyler, but hearing all these stories and um, hearing how powerful his presence was, have you gotten a sense of the charisma of the of the power he had as a as a person in this world? I have, and and it's it's a really strange experience to feel like you meet somebody after their death. Um, but uh, you know, I think a part of a part of you lives on within the people that loved you and the people that truly see you. And, and I was welcomed in such a loving way by everybody in the family that I trust that that's exactly where Tyler was coming from and that Tyler and I would have been close to. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, he would have had a nickname for you already. I was just gonna. Yeah. Say he would have had a nickname for you, Spencer. <laughs> he was just gonna say that. Everybody <laughs> had a nickname. He was. Everybody, not... yeah, everybody. That's to tell you how analytical he was. He. Uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a remarkable, powerful experience to, to collaborate with you guys and and tell this story and, and every step of the way. And I can't tell you my gratitude of the trust that you guys have had for me to, to be a part Spencer, of it. it was from day one, my dear. Listen, you I... held me at that funeral service. I told you we made a connection. I felt your sincerity. That's why I called you. I didn't know why I was calling you, but <laughs> you said to call. And I said, I'm calling because we were supposed to meet. This was meant to be. Nothing was legacy. Yeah, and, and and I would take a moment to thank you, Spence, because um, in all honesty, you know, I, <laughs> it's you've given us motivation in moments when we aren't motivated to do. Because even just today. <laughs> You know, I, I left the office and I had to drive an hour to the hotel room and um, I was feeling tired and I was going to call you and say, hey, let's let's reschedule. But absorbing your energy and absorbing your your, your tenacity to look, let's get this done. Motivated me to sit down and say, hey, let, let, yeah, let's let me check on the website. Let's do this. So I would like to thank you because at this moment, I don't even know if I would have as much strength of, as, as I do. Um, and, and our forward motion for what our mission is if you weren't involved. So I want to thank you. Yes. All Most welcome. You know, I, I just, I, I believe in you guys and I believe in Sherma's idea of a community center and I've seen what the healing sessions can do and I've dealt with death myself and it's, it's the hardest thing in the world. And so I commend you, you both on your strength and, and um, your determination to do something to, to change other people's lives. People need it. People do need it. And, and those who need it and don't know where to get it, um, can you guys, for listeners now, can you point them in the right direction? Like, where would somebody start? 
Um, there's an organization that I met through Sherma for um, SOS Save Our Streets, um, which is as a, a chapter in Bedsty and Crown Heights, uh, and they're they're part of another initiative, My Brother's Keeper, that has groups around around the country, um, and they they do direct action, um, getting kids out of gangs and giving counseling for families, and. And I've been to some of their programs, and, and that's something that is is really, really helpful for a lot of families and and friends. I uh, I want to say that I've done I've done a lot of interviews in my life, and and the three of you are three of the most powerful, beautiful people I've I've ever met. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for speaking honestly and openly with me, and um, I'm I'm so grateful for your time. And um, and I'm, I'm excited to spread the word of this really beautiful project. And um, my best to you, to to you all. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. That was a powerful conversation, but uh, an important one. And uh, do, if you have a chance, grab a copy of that book. It is just remarkable. It's so moving, and it's so gripping, and it's so powerful. And it's just a, a beautiful rendering of a life that was lived and the impact that he had in his very short time on this earth. For more information, please go to longlivekingkobe.org. And learn about what they're doing. It's profound and urgent work. Learn about the community center they're trying to get built. The healing sessions near you. And uh, support the organization by buying the book. Grabbing a hoodie. A My Brother's Keeper mask. Shop around. Check it out. And support the Long Live King Kobe Foundation. A Mother's Love is a big part of this conversation. And with Mother's Day coming up, a new book has just hit shelves that perfectly captures the connection between mothers and their children. The book is called Someone Calls Me Mommy, and it's by Rupa Mehta. Now, if Rupa's name sounds familiar, it's because she's the founder of Nalini Kids. Serving over 200,000 kids worldwide, Nalini Kids is a nonprofit whose pedagogy is rooted in the idea that the combination of physical exercise and emotional reflection provides children with the most organic path to feeling confidence, empowerment, and an energy towards their education. Rupa's book of poems, Someone Calls Me Mommy, captures the moments of early motherhood with finesse and grace. Written with sensitivity, intuition, and real narrative presence, this is a marvelous collection that captures the moments between mothers and their children that might otherwise be forgotten. Grab a copy at me-mommy.com. It's a great gift for mothers-to-be and mothers that already are. A reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. You can also just email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Don't forget, Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, tell a friend, rate and review, and help spread the word about our podcast. City and Color are going to play us out with a song that I think perfectly encapsulates what Sherma Spencer, and Kareem we're talking about today. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. I heard the church bells from the fall. Small.